Republicans on Capitol Hill are pressing ahead with their efforts to impeach Biden. And now the White House is going on the offensive, enlisting two dozen lawyers and legislative liaisons to counter those efforts and paying very close attention as whether or not Kevin McCarthy actually has the votes to move forward. Kayla she's here with us. She's got, you got brand new reporting about this. What are you learning? Well, the White House has, for the better part of a year, been preparing this counterpunch to all the investigations and oversight, and now the growing chorus of Republicans who are threatening to impeach the president. Um, but at this point, I'm not sure if it's fair to say they're in a holding pattern, but one thing that they're watching very closely is whether Kevin McCarthy actually has a vote. I mean, sources took note on Friday when McCarthy did an interview with Breitbart News where he said that he wasn't going to be moving forward with an impeachment inquiry based on the unilateral uh, proclamation of one person, which at the time was seen as an apparent reference uh, to singular members like uh, Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene, who had said that they wouldn't vote for certain things unless there was an impeachment inquiry as well. The McCarthy camp, for its part, says no, that was a reference to um, former Speaker Nancy Pelosi moving ahead with her impeachment inquiry um, without a vote. But regardless, the White House is saying, let's see if McCarthy can cobble together the support to even move forward before we show our cards, mm -hmm. before we figure out how we're going to move forward. But there is, you know, a challenge in that thinking, too, which is that the White House also didn't think that McCarthy could cobble together the votes for the skinny budget package that he did get Republican support for back in the spring that led to a one-month scramble to avert the debt ceiling. These are obviously two totally different right. situations. They figure out a way to get it done. But, mm -hmm. but yeah, the, the underestimation could, could prove problematic. Yeah, and Pelosi didn't, didn't they impeached President Trump at the time. And about a week after January 6th, they did have a vote on the impeachment inquiry on the first impeachment, but about a month or so after the investigation actually happened. Uh, McCarthy is saying he's going to have a vote uh, on to open up an impeachment inquiry if they go that right. route. Does he have the votes? As Kayla noted, you have 18 Republicans in Biden districts. A number of them are just not there yet, ready to vote for this. Do you think he moves ahead? I think there's a huge difference between opening an inquiry and then moving forward with voting on articles, as yeah. we were discussing, Manu. And I think that's going to be the key here. I think it's going to be very difficult to get a lot of these moderate members behind him, but I can see them more so being supportive of an inquiry and, and you know, arguing that we want more tools to investigate and using that um, in order to gain their support. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how this goes further, because once you open an inquiry, it's very hard yeah. to turn back. We already see that pressure from the former president, yeah. Donald Trump, saying, move forward with impeachment. Why are we talking about an inquiry? I think there's going to be a lot of pressure if they end up going forward. Um, and that's going to be what can really put a lot of these Biden district Republicans in a very tough place. I mean, politically, the White House thinks that it could back backfire on the Republicans. Right. I think the White House is nervous because once you open up the box, the White House is a little bit nervous because anything can come out. You know, Bill Clinton ended up at, started at one place, ended up at another. I'm not saying that mm -hmm. those kind of skeletons are in President Biden's closet, but when you go looking for stuff, you can still find it. That being said, it's still risky on the Republicans' part because right now there is no there there. Yeah, and look, yeah. that's the big question. What will they find? What will they do? Congress is coming back to town after the summer recess with a very full plate. 
For starters, they have to pass spending bills to keep the government open by the end of the month. And as Melanie Zanona and I reported over the weekend, that will be no easy task for Speaker McCarthy. Plus, FEMA is running out of cash. Ukraine needs more aid. The Pentagon needs its nominees for its top jobs confirmed. And on top of that, House Republicans may move forward with an impeachment inquiry into President Biden. Punchbowl News, Punchbowl News put it this way, welcome back, things are a mess. Now, CNN's Melanie Zanona joins us now from Capitol Hill. Melanie, Speaker McCarthy has 26 days to fund the government. Does he have a plan yet to do that? Well, a key part of Speaker McCarthy's strategy has been trying to convince hardline conservatives to back down. As you and I reported, McCarthy held a conference call with his members last week, and he argued that they should save these funding fights for later in the year when they actually do their long-term spending bills, and essentially said now is not the time or place to make these demands about the border, Department of Justice, other things that conservatives have been digging in over. But Kevin McCarthy is going to have to make a decision pretty soon here about what to do with supplemental funding and whether and how that's going to hitch a ride potentially on a short-term spending bill. The White House requested $40 billion for both Ukraine aid and disaster relief, but hardliners want to see those issues delinked because they don't want to support any more money for Ukraine. So that really sets up a potential showdown with both Senate Democrats and Senate Republicans who mostly do support more money for Ukraine. And I think Republican Congressman Mike Simpson, who serves on the appropriations panel, summed it up best when he told me, I tell people to buckle up. It's going to be crazy for September, October, November, December. The next four months are going to be wild. And hanging over all of this is the motion to vacate the speaker's chair. That is a procedural tool that would force a vote on ousting the sitting speaker. It's something conservatives are threatening to use if they don't get their way in funding fights. So just a very complicated dynamic for Kevin McCarthy and not a lot of time to figure it out. Mano. Yeah, not a lot of time. The Senate back tomorrow, the House not back till next week. And then there's just very dwindling number of legislative days to figure all this out. Lots of meetings ahead. Melanie, Zanana, thank you for joining us. And that lonely Capitol Hill at the moment will get very busy starting tomorrow. Uh, Kayla, one of the things that McCarthy is going to have to decide immediately is how to deal with this uh, tens of billions of dollars in extra funding for Ukraine as well as disaster. Now, the White House and Democrats want to keep this together, tied to this must-pass bill to avoid a government shutdown. There are a growing number of conservatives who want to sp split it apart, say, let's move disaster aid with the short-term spending bill, separate that from Ukraine. That's a non-starter for the White House. Do you think they'll compromise on that? Well, if they compromise, it's not going to be until the 11th hour because they want to keep this strategy in place uh, at least through the next several weeks. I mean, the White House has tried to have its cake and eat its too uh, by playing spectator and all of this and saying it's up to Congress to do its job while also making the initial proposal for the supplemental that had those two things linked in a very strategic way. So clearly they're not backing down on that. The White House just last week for the first time said that it believes that a short-term spending bill will be needed, suggesting that this supplemental be tied into it. Um, so they're not changing tack. And look, the challenge for the speaker, he's got to decide work with Democrats, try to get this done, and then anger folks on his far right and decide, but that has other implications associated with it if he were to do that. One of those members on the far right, Marjorie Taylor Greene, someone who actually has a quite a bit of influence with the Speaker of the House, this is what she said and how she would vote. I've already decided I will not vote to fund the government unless we have passed an impeachment inquiry on Joe Biden. I'm not going to continue to fund the Biden regime's weaponized government. 
so there should be no funding for Jack Smith's special counsel. And lastly, my red line in the sand has always been, I will not vote to fund a war in Ukraine. We have to have peace. Tia, you covered Marjorie Taylor Greene for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Obviously, she is among the outlier on some of these key issues, but there are a sizable number of Republicans in the House GOP conference who agree with her. Right, and there are other House Republicans who are making other lines in the sand. We've heard Chip Roy of Texas talk about not wanting to do temporary funding unless it includes something to address uh, immigration at the southern border. Andrew Clyde has said he won't support a continuing resolution unless there's language that would defund some of these Trump prosecutions. So they may not all be saying the same thing, but if there are enough of these hardliners who wants something from Speaker McCarthy, then that still creates these headaches for him to build the coalition he needs to pass funding, again, with not very much time when the House returns next week. And look, we're, we're talking about the implications. One of those is the so-called vacate the chair, motion to vacate. One member, this is a deal that the Speaker cut back in January to become Speaker, to allow a single member to essentially call for a vote ousting him from the speakership. Now that threat has been raised after the debt ceiling deal that was cut. The hardliners backed off of it, but they have kept this uh, out there in the upcoming round of spending. And this is what uh, we reported, Melanie and I reported over the weekend. One GOP lawmaker acknowledged there have been conversations among conservative hardliners about using a motion to vacate, a procedural tool that forces a floor vote to oust the speaker, to gain leverage in the funding fight. If they feel like McCarthy isn't sticking to his spending promises or gives too much away to Democrats. The question, uh, Elena, is whether these folks on the right will actually move forward with this or whether they just want that threat out there to get the speaker to agree with them. On right. The well, the leverage here, uh, and I think that's a key part of that quote, the leverage that they can hold using that you know, threat of a motion to vacate is something that um, is very much going to be playing out over the next several weeks. And listen, we know that a lot of Republicans were very angry over how the debt ceiling fight was handled. Um, and they've been saying for months now that they wanted to address a lot of those concerns that they had with the spending fight. And now we're here again, very little time, a very short deadline for Congress to work this out. And I do think you're going to hear a lot of talk about whether um, they're going to have a vote to, to vacate the chair. And yeah. it's something that McCarthy is going to have to navigate. We'll see if he can do it as well as he did with the debt ceiling, but there are a lot of people here who are very angry about how he's been handling a lot of um, these key issues, thinking that he's giving in too much to Democrats and to the Biden administration. And I do think there's gonna be a lot of talk of that, not just this month, depending on what they do with the short-term bill, but continuing through the end of the year. And